welcome to another episode of the Classic Car Corner podcast. I'm your co-host Jason Painter along with Eric Benzel and we have an exciting story to share this evening. We welcome Mr. Larry Jorgensen, author of Shipwrecked and Rescued Cars and Crew. Larry, welcome. Well, thank you. It's uh, going to be an interesting experience to talk with you and talk about uh, a very uh, unusual shipwreck. Yes, and, indeed, and, and one that I think everybody's going to really uh, hone in on some interest for sure. Make no mistake about it. So so uh, I guess a first question we're going to ask you here tonight, what, ex- what sparked your interest in writing a book about the fate of the city of Bangor? Well, what's got my interest, there's been, you know, 6,000 shipwrecks in in the lakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like a you know, shipwreck is a an unusual thing, but what is very unusual, it is the only time ever that a ship wrecked on the Great Lakes that was carrying a cargo of cars where the cars were rescued. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they, there were a lot of ships that, that hauled uh, cars back in the, in the 20s and 30s. Uh, the roads were not good, you know, and the good way to, to get your cars out to your dealers is put them on a boat and send them to Duluth or wherever you you want to go. So it was not uncommon for cars to be on a ship. What was uncommon is when they would go down uh, or crash, as it happened with this boat, crashed mm-hmm. on a reef, the cars were goners too. So it was the only time ever that they were able to rescue the cars. That's what got me into the story. I got you. Now, I'm going to ask, of course, uh, it goes without saying, did the crew get rescued before the cars, or did they go after the cars and said, "Are the crew guys?" No, <laughs> no the, the, the crew, the crew got rescued, and it was two months later that they were actually able to develop a plan where they could rescue the cars. Oh, wow. uh, the the crew almost um, froze to death up there because they they were lost. And their rescue in itself is an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And then you couple with it the, the rescue of the cars. I mean, the, the whole book is, I had one one person who reviewed it said, you know, if it wasn't for the pictures and so forth, this would be unbelievable. But right. he said it, it, it exists. Yeah. It really happened, you know. Yeah. Um, have you been to the area of Michigan where the shipwreck happened? Absolutely. The area is the little community of Copper Harbor, which is on the the far northern tip of the peninsula. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the summertime, it's a very popular uh, tourist attraction. Uh, It's a place where not only there's a lot of natural beauty and a a lot of history uh, in the, the, the copper mines and so forth, but it's also a place where people can take a boat and go out to Isle Royal. Okay. Which in itself is quite an attraction. So, mm-hmm. yes, I've been there, and I've been there in the dead of winter in my uh, younger, crazier days. <laughs> I, st- I snowmobiled up there. Oh, and, okay. gotcha. Uh, you know, when we started snowmobiling up there, the snow was so deep that uh, many of the places that would close for the winter, you could actually snowmobile over the roofs of those motels and so forth. Oh, wow. So, so they, when, when you read about in the book 
how the crew got lost in the snow. There was a lot of snow to get lost in. Well, the, the, the rumor had it, or I think in your book you had mentioned, did the captain, did, didn't they sail past because of the storm? Didn't they sail past and then realized, wait, we're, we're a little bit further west than we should be? Well, you're close. What, what happened, um, they actually crashed on a reef east of Copper Harbor. Okay. Uh, it was storming so bad uh, that the captain thought that they had gone, uh, they, uh, that they were west of Copper Harbor. Okay, and the, right. the reason he thought that, there's a, a mountain, the Brockway Mountain. He thought he saw Brockway. So after they crashed and they were finally able to get a lifeboat and get to shore, they said, well, the captain says we're west of Copper Harbor. Let's walk east. <laughs> All I, they were doing was they were getting further away from yes, their they destination. Were. Yep, you know? yep. no, wow. no cell phones or navigation service back then, right? <laughs> so, no, no communications. Uh, no one even knew, knew that it. they were out there. Right, you know? and that is scary for sure. Well, I know that I know, and we're going to get with the Chrysler side of things here real quick. But before we do that, uh, there was a car called the Whippet, and not many people even know of this car. And I didn't know what kind of insight you could give us on the Whippet vehicle? Well, all I know is it was made by the, the Willis Corporation yes. yep. In, yep. in Toledo. Okay. And there were six of them okay. on on the ship. Okay. Um, now, I have been able to track down, and there's a picture in the book, I have been able to track down two of the six. My, my guess is, and I have no historical evidence to but it's only logical that if Walter Chrysler or his insurance company were paying for the rescue, they really were too interested in rescuing the Whippet. Right. My, my guess is that all six of them stayed on Copper Harbor uh-huh. or on the Keweenaw. Now, I talked to a lady who actually bought one at an estate auction years ago. And uh, I've, I've quoted her. Also, we have a picture in there of a whippet that actually somehow had ended up in the hands of the owners of, we talked about that Swedes uh, mm-hmm. place. Swedes, right. Well, mm-hmm. they passed it on to somebody else. And finally, uh, the car was covered in a fallen down shed and was sold oh. to somebody else for five hundred dollars. Oh, we've got a, we've got that picture in the book. Okay. Right. Uh, right. So and we know that there were in the hotel event there are two wheels wheels from mm-hmm. whippets. Mm-hmm. So there we've accounted for at least three of the six whippets. Chances are the other three went to, you know, nobody thought, well, there's much value. And when they were worn out, they went to the local storage yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure they did not go back to Detroit. Gotcha. Right, right. right. And so on the Chryslers that were on there, was it just one model? And uh, I guess, yeah. oh, go ahead, sir. Yeah, it was uh, a 1927. Uh, it was sort of their mid-range model, very popular. They were introducing it that year, and as I recall, I think the price was around eight hundred dollars for it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of advertising, a lot of promotion, and it, it 
as I know about the history of Chrysler, I understand that that was that that period, uh, 26, 27, 28 was pretty much the kickoff year that that put Chrysler into the top four in automotive production in in Detroit. So they they were they were moving along when that happened. That's pretty wow. Yeah. I mean, you think about that, and and, and again, looking listening to the time of it, you know, this is yeah when all the car companies are ju- are starting. Or, yeah, so right. yeah, this They're would be Genesis, a big yeah, this would be a big shipment out right. there to get the cars out. And now, is there how other than and when you re- when folks listening, you read the book. Other than being secured by ice, how are how are <laughs> these cars secured to the boat? Well, what they had first of all, you had a. When they would redo the the ships, so they would carry cars, uh, they would put in an elevator that would accommodate lowering cars to the uh, a lower deck. Mm-hmm. So they they had a, a lower deck where they would put the cars on. The upper deck was completely level, all the openings for you know dumping in grain or or iron ore or whatever were gone. It was a flat deck. Now. The way they secured them on top, and they they realized because they did lose thirteen, that they, this was a mistake. They would run a long chain uh, along a line of cars on top, and then they would secure each car to that chain. Mm-hmm. Well, when the when the boat started, one of those chains broke. And consequently, our chain went overboard. Of Lake Superior, there are 13 uh, 1927 Chrysler. There are 13? Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So if we started out with 240 on the ship, then, you know, we have to presume there was, you know, 200 and what, uh, 27 that were left, I guess. You know? I got you. Okay. Got you. Well, so, so uh, okay. So, um, uh, how many of these, I'm um, just making sure I've got that. Are there are still some of these 1927 Chryslers resting on the bottom of Lake Superior, correct? All right. I, I would have to be 13. 13. Of them. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um, um, so some of your, um, audio was breaking up a little bit and uh, we didn't hear that answer. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, I caught that. So 13 of them are still, so um, I had Googled um, the um, city of Bangor shipwreck. And if you Google it, uh, there's some uh, pictures of some of these Chryslers. I just didn't know the number uh, that are still down there. And obviously, you know, they've been down there nearly a hundred years now. Uh, and they're still in form, it, it looks like. Uh, but uh, obviously, all the the algae and um, uh, over time, they've uh, they it's taken a toll on these cars. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. And and then no one, to my knowledge, and I've talked to a lot of divers. Uh, there's never been any attempt to to try to salvage any of them, just for history's sake that I'm aware of. I understand. Hmm. And, and, you know, the, the, the Great Lakes are known to be somewhat shallow. I know Erie is for sure. But um, how, how deep of water was this? Uh, uh, I mean, oh, they're resting in. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think well, that it was about 1,000 feet. Um, is that what I heard? 
or well superior is is deeper than that okay but but where the where the wreck started where the boat really started getting into trouble and where those 13 went off was probably a rock, somewhere between 800 and a thousand feet wow. okay um yeah. and and you know when it when the the ship ultimately crashed on the reef uh, then you're not dealing with very deep water, mm-hmm. uh, and we were, for they, they were fortunate enough to reach the point where the water actually froze around the reef, and it was able to freeze because it was not deep. Yeah, um, you know, so that was part of the rescue plan was we could now get them off of the, off of the ship onto the reef and off of the reef onto shore. Uh, and that's the only reason they were able to save them. Gotcha. Now, not this book, as folks are gonna. You got to check out the book because it's fascinating. We're just we're just giving you little little insights into it. How many of these Chryslers are still in existence that you're aware of? Well, we're aware of one. Okay. And you and you can see it. Yep. Um, the car at the present time is located in a museum at the Eagle Harbor Lighthouse. Okay. And that that's also on, obviously, Lake Superior, and only about oh, 25, 30 miles from where the actual wreck occurred. Wow. Now, the, the, we, we go into a lot of detail in the book on that particular car because that car was sold by a dealer in Upper Michigan to... Uh, an individual there in 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 the Keweenaw, and he was told this was one that didn't go back. It was, you know, he, the dealer was able to keep it, and it was off of the ship. Now the same family that 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 bought that car had it had that that family had that car for over sixty years. Mm-hmm. It was handed down from one to another type thing. And before the car went into the museum, it had over two hundred thousand miles on in it. In that in that incredible. Now is this the car that had the axe mark because of uh the... Yes. Okay. Yes. If you if you right. go to a museum and see it, there is an axe mark okay. uh, above the door where they actually cut the ice away. Uh, to get the car off of the top of the the, the ship, and the, and in the in the boat in the boat in the uh, book, there are uh, numerous pictures of them working to cut the ice away, right? To, to shovel the snow away uh-huh. to get those cars off of that ship. I mean, the, the ship sat there abandoned for a couple of months uh, before they were even able to get at it. So you could. Yep. Imagine the amount of snow and ice oh, of that course. accumulated during those two years. Right, right. Two months, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah two months. So so, um, so Chrysler himself, now Walter was obviously alive and well during 1927, obviously. The, the, the Chrysler Corporation, was it Walter or was it the Chrysler Corporation, or both, I guess, uh, that wanted these cars back for reinspection, the ones that were... Uh, obviously uh, salvageable. Is that correct? I mean, they, they didn't want any submerged cars that uh, were able to resurface, <laughs> and, and, and but they wanted to reinspect these vehicles as to where they could obviously resell them, correct? Yeah, you could, in those days, you could do that, I guess. I, don't, I presume that would not 
not be allowed today. Right. And, yeah, and right. probably and probably all the hassle wouldn't be worth it anyhow. But I was thought. I mean, let's face it. Chrysler at that point it was Walter. It, he was the man. Mm-hmm. You know and. Mm-hmm. Whether he took it out of Chrysler funds or he had you know, the insurance company. So are you there? Are we we losing you oh, there, again? There you go. There you go. Go ahead. Okay. The insurance company uh, quickly after the accident sent an adjuster up there. He was hauled out to the site by one of these uh sort of model T's with a with a, a track on the back type thing. Mm-hmm. And and he's the one that immediately said this ship is a total loss. Right. So and and Walter did at some point get up there and look at it himself. Oh he uh, did. So he actually yeah. traveled to it. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So the decision was made to okay there's no hope for the ship. Let's let's try to get the cars back. Yep. Okay. A- and the plan, you know, that sounds like an easy mission, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Yeah. Because um, there's a you know, yeah. <laughs> right. they, they had they had to wait first of all for the ice to freeze around the reef. Right. Then the mission was to get them off of the boat onto the onto the reef. Right. Well, you you know, there's a good picture in the in the book about the wrap they built mm-hmm. to get them off I the ship. I saw that. Yep, it's almost at a 45 degree angle too, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, and, and once they got them off, it was then now what do we do with them? Right. At, at first they thought, well, we could we could blaze a road, you know, into Copper Harbor. No, that didn't work. They got about a mile with that. They said, mm-hmm. that's not going to work. Somebody said, wait a minute. You know, the ice is strong enough along the shore. Let's drive them on the lake along the shore into Copper Harbor. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's a plan. But not all of the cars had batteries. And the ones that did, not all the batteries were working. Right. So, so they would take a car that ra- that ran, mm-hmm. you know, a group of cars, they'd get them into Copper Harbor, pull the batteries out, take them back out, you know, and this went on and on right. until they, until they finally got all the cars into town. Mm-hmm. Now there are a couple pictures in the book, in fact, on the back cover, of the two hundred and some Chryslers. All lined up yep. in a field at this town. Right. I mean, you can imagine the population of the town is probably two or three dozen, mm-hmm. and now they have two hundred and forty cars. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there. Well, now we're winter time. We're in the Keweenaw. There's no road plowed mm-hmm. from the Keweenaw to the closest railroad depot, which is Calumet. Okay. You know, that's like about 35, 40 miles away. So the idea is get the cars from Copper Harbor to Calumet to get them on a train to get them back to Detroit. Right. And and, and I think in the book it said something about some young boys, not even, what are they, 13 years old or something, helping out with the driving on these things? Yeah. 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 Right. I've talked. I've talked to people who said, oh, that was my granddad drove one of those. Oh, I got you. Right. Yeah. No, so that's cool. The the other the other mystery, and we haven't been able to track it down completely, but there's enough, uh, you might say, urban stories up there. Um, 
they, you know, when they finally got the road plowed, and that was a two-week project to get the road open, they then said, okay, and this is the salvage company that's doing this, all, all this work for the insurance company or Walter or whoever. They said, we'll tell you what, we'll pay $5 a head for anybody who will drive a car from Copper Harbor to Calumet. And that was about a, with the road and the conditions in those days, that was about a five hour drive. Now, okay, so you're a high school student and you right. take the day off, you know, you, <laughs> right. you get $5 to drive a car. Yeah. So you're driving, you're driving the Snoop High School down right. a road right. and you're going to get $5. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and this is two years and, before the Great Depression, too. Yeah. yeah and so right. you're thinking, well, you know, I got. I can have five dollars, or I can have a new Chrysler, right? Oh right. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And as I get closer to Calumet, there are some side roads that are open. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've had several people tell me, "Oh yeah, we know, we know where a couple of them went." You know, yeah. Uh, I have not been able to factually prove that. And of course, as a couple people tell that story, then like most stories, it gets bigger and bigger. Uh-huh. Of course. But, oh, yeah. But there, there probably were more than just the one that we tracked that ended up staying um, on the peninsula, but not a lot. There was one car, and we've got a picture of it in the book, that when the, the boat hit the reef, it it hit with such impact that there was a car thrown off at that point, mm-hmm. and it sort of washed ashore, and it was so badly damaged, they couldn't drive it out. They put it on a sleigh, and they hauled it out, and uh, Chrysler sold it to the local dealer for 25 bucks for parts. <laughs> right. Wow. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow. so, so that's mm-hmm. an, another one that sort of stayed up there, you know. Right. But oh, never hit so the road cool. again. Now, what was what was now? We're talking about nineteen twenty-seven dollars here. Um, so five dollars. We're talking about a, probably about a month or two salary back then with with what pay was for someone that was working hourly, probably. So five dollars was a lot of money. Yeah, and what, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, youngsters and oldsters alike, were happy to get that five dollars. Oh my to, goodness! Yeah, to, to take the, the card. Into Calumet, you know. Oh, sure. Because that's good. That could be a, a week, two weeks, or a lot of a lot of money back then. So, what was the total cost of loss uh, back um, then for a twenty-seven I, car? Yeah, I think and it's in my book. Um, you know what they say? I've got a good memory, but it doesn't last long. Well, that, but it, but it seems to me the total cost of salvage was around thirty thousand. Uh, paying the salvage company, which came in from Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, paying all the people that were involved. And there were a lot of volunteers on the peninsula that just said, we're going to help out, you know. Right, um, right. And then I think they said there were, they figured an additional five to 6000 for the transportation back to Detroit. Wow. So, you know, they had probably close to $40,000 tied up and getting those cars back, back to Detroit. Right, sure. And the cars, those cars were individually were, uh, I believe, what, 200 and... What, cost-wise? Co- yeah. Uh, eight, what, eight, eight, did you say eight, 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 800? Yeah. 800 and some, yeah. yeah. And so what, this, what would that be today? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. 
<laughs> the, 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 I mean, it, so for a survivor, Chrysler, I think, is what he's asking. A survivor. No, money. I'm just talking about inflationary things. Oh, so if the car was today? about 800 and, 800 and change Back, then. That's uh, what? 60,000? Wow. I have no idea. I mean, something, probably something, I, something else. I haven't bought a Chrysler lately. So. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Right, right. But that one at the museum mm-hmm. uh, is amazing. It, it, you know, the story to that car, uh, I think I've got a picture in the book where he ran it through the vehicle inspection, the state vehicle inspection service. Right. And the, the inspector said, it's the oldest car I've ever had, and I can't believe it's got two hundred thousand miles on it. Right, you know? right. Well, yeah. So I mean, you know, and to think of its history on you know what it's endured too is that's I mean it's just a crazy story. But I mean that's that's great. It uh, it had two hundred thousand miles on it for sure. That's, well, and it just shows that back then when things were built, they were built to last yeah. and built to be repaired. I mean, and yeah. and and they weren't exactly complicated either. It's pretty much air, spark, gas. Yep. Yep, yep. And exhaust, yeah. right. Nothing 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 <laughs> exactly. too complicated about it, so. Right. Right. So so um uh, so in, in your in your research over the years with shipwrecks, I I know you've focused on the city of Bangor. Have you focused on any other uh shipwrecks that may have involved cars or anything else or is it this has just been the one that's been of most interest to you? Well, there is one other one and I I I've have not spent a lot of time. I'm not a shipwreck uh, addict, you know. Some mm. people really get into it. Mm. It just I happened to stumble into this one more because of where it was located and the mm. uniqueness of it. But in the book, uh, towards the end of the book, I write about uh, a sister ship. Right. The same company, the Nicholson Transportation mm. Company, right. about two years later, they had a, a shipload of Nashes. They were on Lake Michigan. They were coming from the Nash plant in Kenosha and tangled with an ore carrier that was coming down from Escanaba. And they got the bad end of that deal. Gotcha. And to this day, on the bottom of Lake Michigan, not too far from Port Washington, okay. uh, there are 200 and some Nash Ramblers. Oh, on wow. the bottom, and and uh, I've heard people call it the uh, largest Nash museum in the world. <laughs> well, right. well, I but mean, that was, but yeah. that was a sister ship uh, to the one to the Banger. Gotcha. Uh, oh wow! The Nicholson Company, I believe, had ultimately had almost a dozen ships that uh, carried cars. They would they would buy a you know an ore carrier. And convert it into a, uh, a car carrier. Right. And and it, for a while there, that was a pretty darn good business in Detroit uh, because the roads were so bad and you didn't have the big trucks hauling cars around the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and again, I, I think you may have answered this question with your answer there. Uh, how long ago was the most recent? Uh, it, it, not being a shipwreck person, but do you know when the when the most recent Great Lake shipwreck may have been? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> oh, okay, understood. Well, we just don't hear about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've got I, I've got a, a, a Google alert for shipwrecks. Oh, um, oh wow. and you wouldn't and, think uh, that it would happen in 2023, but I guess anything can happen, oh, right? You, you, yeah, they do. They do. Oh, and, I got you. And, and it's just. 
the nature of the beast, right? Those big ships, and especially Lake Superior, uh, is so mean because mm-hmm. it's such a big lake, mm-hmm. and and the water could just. Well, what happened? I talked to a a, a diver who was actually gone down to the Edmund Fitz. Oh wow! And you know, and and he he confirms what most people believe that it was split in half, and you know it was loaded with uh, taconite, iron ore, and it got into this bad Lake Superior storm, and the waves were so big that the front end and the back end of the ship were actually suspended on independent waves, which left the the, the middle of the ship, uh-huh. where the cargo is, hanging in midair. So ah, gotcha, right. And that weight just broke that ship, ship in half. In half. Wow, and that—that's she went to the bottom. It's—it's it's still obviously it's still there. There are still uh, crew, you know, deceased crewmen uh, are there. Um, the water just preserves that stuff forever. Yeah, and you know he's he's gone down and he he dove around it and he said it's you know you can see exactly what happened and yep. and there, every once in a while there'll be there'll be a story come up. Uh, I, I saw one just the other day about a, uh, a shipwreck, and it was a, a more of a, 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 a personal um, expensive yacht, uh-huh. I guess you'd call it, that went down, you know. Yes, sir. And there, were, there was a lot, of, a lot of valuable things on it. Right. So it, it still happens, not as much. We've, we've got good, good uh, technology. You GPS, know, good, yeah, right. Yeah. Yep, no but, doubt. But it, it'll still happen. Yeah. Well, we've got three more questions for you here as we approach our 35-minute mark, okay? And the, right. the, the first question, um, and I'll intertwine these two because it's, it's relatively – so as we approach the 100-year mark, which is a few years away from this, uh, from this shipwreck, do you think Chrysler will commemorate this in any way? And – okay, go ahead. Go ahead. You have an answer. No, in fact, I think if anything – uh, I I tried to get information uh, from Chrysler, right? And uh, in fact, even the museum up in uh, Eagle Harbor has tried to get some documentation. And the uh, it, the problem is they had a fire. Uh, I've been told at uh, one of the uh, museums that housed a lot of the. Chrysler papers and it doesn't exist. Okay. So gotcha. But but I would think uh, they don't want to make a thing out of it anyhow. Okay. No, <laughs> I, I, I just, do not look for fireworks. I got okay? You. okay. I just thought I'd ask. Now I don't want to give too much of your book away here. Obviously, I I, I know what happens to the fate of the city of Bangor. I don't know if that's something you want to share. You can, or you might say, well, you'll have to figure that out by buying my book. I'm going to leave well, that answer up to you. <laughs> yeah. No. Wait. We, we can share because you you get the book you can see the pictures of what happened and how it happened but bottom line you know it sat for 18 years on that reef uh there was one attempt to get it off and refloat it that didn't happen uh okay yeah so right. a, along comes world war ii and we need steel yeah so i'll i'll leave it at there you i can, got you okay. okay that's right i understand now I, we kind of we kind of uh, when we before we started the show we we were talking about the book and 
and we were asking, you know, the the way that the way you wrote the book is just it's it's a definite page turner. You're going to want to read it. It just keeps you involved the entire time. Has anybody approached you about making your book into a movie? Because there's no, so many I, stories that can happen out of this to make a movie from. Well, and it and it 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 involves not just a ship or not just. I have a lot of vintage car people that have purchased the book. It's for sale in a lot of the uh, vintage car museums in the gift shop. Okay. Uh, and I'll be honest, guys, I didn't realize when I did the book that I was writing a book that would get this much interest from people that like cars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You right. know, sure. So there are so many different facets mm-hmm. uh, that you could go with this thing. And it's all complete. It's from the start to the finish. What happened to the book? What happened to the cars? Who are the fabulous people that up there on the Keweenaw Peninsula that made this happen? Happen right. Yep. You know, it. I've had I've had a lot of people, lots. You know, probably half a dozen, say this needs to be video. Somebody needs to put this thing on video. Yeah. And I'm I'm game to help. I you know uh, I it, would say you'd be one heck of a good source. <laughs> it just there's so much that cover that yeah. covers in this from yeah. just the start of from Chrysler. We're, we got this right. We got this new flagship. We're gonna send it on out. And then you have the crew, <laughs> the story of the crew, the yeah. background of the crew, who right. are the crew, what happened, what right. happened here. Then you've got them landing the boat and then finally being able to get into the lifeboat and then getting to the shore. And then you've got the, I don't know, you could add in there. There's a dealer going, looking at his watch. Where are my cars? And then you go back to the crew out there trying to forge through the wilderness. wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly and then right. the, and then the aspect of the coast guard who are responding to a different shipwreck right. that found the crew wandering around. Uh-huh. It, it just from, yeah. and then it, it, it just continues. I mean, that's Jerry Berkheimer. Listen, you're from Louisville. <laughs> right. Get on there this. You right. there you go. Two, two things that visually make the book uh, a treasure. The the photos in the book, the, the captain of the Coast Guard rescue boat was an amateur photographer. So many of the pictures that are in the book were taken by him. Oh, wow. And we got access to them. The other thing, when I realized what I, I thought great story this was, I actually obtained the service of a great artist up in, Cop, not Copper Harbor, but in, on the peninsula, mm-hmm. a well-known artist. And that picture, that, that painting that is on the front cover of the book yes, is sir. an original. Oh, that's, that's so cool. We we had him do that for the book. I said, how can you capture both the story of the cars and the boat? And he did it in that painting. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's fantastic. It really is. Well, Larry, I'm going to ask you a, a one final question here. And so a question that I have asked every one of our guests, um, including Wayne Carini and Mario Andretti and now Larry Jorgensen. When you took your driver's test, what car did you take your driver's test in? When I took my driver's test, um, that probably would have been a 1950, let me think, okay. uh, 50, <laughs> 56 Ford, I think. A 56 Ford. Okay. Yeah. 
I actually I actually drove prior to that, but that that's not the one I took the license in. But when I was mm-hmm. in high school, yeah, uh, I drove a 1946 Ford. And I'll t- and and that my my stepdad uh, was a mechanic at the local Ford garage, mm-hmm. and uh, we were able to do some neat things with that, like a uh, a Mercury engine and a truck uh, clutch, you know. Okay, and right. So, so yeah, you you were restomoding this this car back in the forties, is what you're saying. Well, I, I, the, the the car was in the forties, but I'm not quite that old. I, I was when I was in high school. That was in the in the. Uh, I graduated in '58. Okay? okay, yes, sir. So, so that was my play car when I was in high school. There you go. And uh, and I'll tell you what, with that that Mercury engine and that truck clutch, we. We, we did okay on drags. So. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's awesome. We, we, we love hearing those stories, and uh, it's always the, that's what we call our gotcha question for, for the day. But, uh, you know, Larry, this has just been an absolutely fun and very entertaining and very knowledge-gaining uh, knowledge gaining, uh, podcast. We certainly appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and Larry, uh, obviously, for those who are going to be listening to this, where can people find your book? Where, where, can, they, where can they go to? To. The simplest way, and the way I like the best, is go to my website, which is very easy to remember. It's www.shipwreckedandrescued.com. Shipwreckedandrescued.com. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and if you go there, you'll get a signed copy. Okay. Um, okay. Now, gotcha. If it's available on Amazon. The world's mm-hmm. available. I, yep. I'm not a big fan of Amazon. And a lot of stores... Uh, have it, especially stores in Michigan, bookstores and that. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of uh, your listeners probably go into some of the car museums. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I don't want to say a lot, but several of the car museums have the book on sale in their gift store. And uh, if my marketing efforts continue with some success, there you go. More, will, more will have it in the future. I love it. I love it. No, that's great. Well, like I said, uh, it has been absolutely great having you here. We'd like to follow up with you. Uh, you know, if, if if you have a sequel to your book, which it sounds like that might be uh, on the horizon, uh, we would absolutely love to have you back, Larry, for sure. Well, we are. Uh, there are a couple of things that have been brought to my attention okay. that always happens with a with a, a nonfiction book, and that's what I write is nonfiction. That, yep. People. People will come up to you afterwards and say, well, what about, you know? Uh-huh. So, sure. So hey, that's right. We've already started a file of what about. Yep. So there you go. We'll keep, we'll keep you posted. All right. Outstanding. And just to remind our listeners, you can buy that book at shipwreckedandrescued.com. Thank you so much, Larry. Yep. Thank you for listening and happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner podcast.